the talk tomorrow um because cash is doing the thing uh and i was meant to be there but i've, I've got to dial in which is a bit shit. Yeah. um but I'll, I'll obviously that's the uh best i can do for the time being your health uh, is a priority it's you know what it's not even the health it's just that you might not be able to get on a flight right i mean um if although the, then again i look at things and no one's checking and it's almost like you can walk on uh, that's but then, true then, but it's a guilt and then you're there coughing in the middle of the flight it's dry people are looking at you weird 100 like, 100 it's the irresponsibility of it yeah um uh, it's totally irresponsible so yeah. so I, I have to be sure in my own mind even if there's no checks um so the last two days has been um uh, negative um and uh, and yeah basically i feel all right i'm just a bit like fatigued okay um well good to know. hear you're you're on the mend though yeah Thank welcome you. Back. Thank you. Indeed. So anyway, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Brain Food Live on Air, bringing it to you every week. It is episode 171. And this is a show that I've been wanting to do for a while um, because we've seen some conspicuous examples of how this has been done badly. Um, and I wanted to sort of explore, you know, why it's done badly and what we could do to do it better. We're talking about layoffs, folks. Um, you know, I'm sure you've all read the news. You've all been paying attention to what's happening in the marketplace. Um, every other day, it seems like some high-profile tech company is making a large round of cuts. Um, and you've seen, actually, you know, a number of egregious examples of where, oh, yeah, this person has done it in this way. And everyone's up in arms about it. And everyone thinks, I can't believe how inhumane they are. Uh, and then half of me got thinking, it's like, okay, like, is there a good way to do it? I mean, maybe it's one of those things that's just horrible to do. And there's nothing you can do to make it better. There's always going to be a complaint. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the ethics and experience of how to better, how to, to better to do layoffs if you're going to do it what is the the way in which you can do it which is ethical but also centering the employee's experience at the same time securitizing the your responsibilities to the company so let's not forget that's your primary job okay so that's basically what we're going to be talking about today delighted to see uh christine to join us back on the show great to see you christine thanks for coming into the office by the way i hope you didn't do that <laughs> it wasn't i it was partly um, yes of course but i'm gonna oh. be my, my founders later as well so <laughs> okay good to know good to know you should have tried it on the ipad or something i think yeah, if you have the app it might have worked yeah context um, everyone as i left my laptop in the office last night so <laughs> i was like hung can i go and can i go on crowdcast on my ipad tbc so we'll find out so how does that actually so that obviously means you had like a, some sort of unex, un, unexpectedly large night like unscheduled not even sort. that i went to the gym and i left my laptop on on my desk but i took my trainers so yeah panic moment this morning i'm like did i leave my laptop in the gym or did i leave it on the tube thankfully it was in the office so <laughs> no I big night <laughs> usually when the laptop is left in the place where you didn't expect it's because yeah, yeah i'll go for one mate no worries <laughs> and then, like, none of that ask me again maybe tomorrow but <laughs> yeah 20 hours later it's like oh crap i'm in france <laughs> you know something like yeah. this um okay cool um let's uh we're gonna do a bit of a change of scene no we're gonna do some housekeeping obviously we've a few change rounds obviously we're no longer reviewing the newsletter folks we're doing that in a separate show that should be on monday if not it's on tuesday uh we're gonna figure out 
when that's going to do, when that's going to happen, but we're not reviewing the newsletter anymore. Um, uh, so we still have to do some sound checks though. So folks on Crowdcast, if you can hear me okay, just let me know on the chat stream whether the audio and visual is okay with uh, you. You can see uh, Christine and I and hear us okay. Um, we are broadcasting this on LinkedIn. I think it's on my personal LinkedIn page. Um, if you're watching it there, can you let me know whether the audio is okay? Let me just check on the phone um, because that's the only thing I trust. It's the most trusted device, the phone, right? Yep. Um, thing, thing you kind of sleep with every day. Um, yeah, I seem to be on there. That seems to be okay. And uh, Twitter and Facebook, we're still on there. So if you can hear me okay there, let me know. Okay, we've got a few people saying you can hear all on good side. Oh, thank you, Burke, for uh, listening on both of those channels. That's amazing. Um, okay, I tell you what, here's a surprise. Here's a surprise because we always want to thank our sponsors for every episode. But we have a new way of doing it now. Um, the new way of doing it. I want to start doing it this year, but next year this is happening every week. Instead of me giving the sponsor pitch, I'm going to get the founder of the company to rock up and tell tell it to you, him or herself. Um, because there's no reason why you should hear from me about these companies, these amazing companies that are supported Brain Food Live and all of the Brain Food channels that we're operating on. None of this could be happening without our sponsors. They've been amazing. They're a little bit behind the background. Uh, so I thought, you know what, let's elevate them a little bit and get their foreground and have them say their piece. Um, I'm delighted to see Jakob Gilman in the, in the chat stream there. So I'm going to bring him on now and he can tell you all about high people. Um, uh, there we go. Let's see whether we can get him on. I'm actually quite excited to see like how much swag these founders think they can get away with. <laughs> like, are they like completely festooned, <laughs> like an F1 driver or something? <laughs> um, or, or have they got like just a, a, a lapel badge? Or a background? Uh, of some type? Let's see. No, Jacob, <laughs> you, None of that. I thought I thought you'd be turning up like an, a Formula One guy, <laughs> like everywhere. But no, you've come completely sensibly dressed. I'm very impressed. Exactly. Great to see both of you. How was everything? Yes, Sounds things good. are great and, and wonderful to see you again, Jakob. Um, so listen, thanks for doing this. I, it's a bit of fun, but I thought, hey, why don't people listen from the founder himself? They want to hear from me. They want to hear from everybody else. You are the person behind it. Um, go ahead and tell us a little bit about high people. What is the idea and why should people care? Amazing. Yeah, thanks again. Hi, Hang. Hi, everybody. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the co-founders at High People, the hiring intelligence platform. And today's Brain Food Live on-air session is all about how to better handle layoffs, which is an amazingly important and relevant topic. Um, but, you know, I want to kind of steer the attention towards something that is equally important and kind of sets up the tone for a potential outcome like this, which is to hire the best people from the get-go and to really maximize quality of hire and minimize the risk of, of future layoffs. Um, yeah, to give you some context on the company, when my co-founder Sebastian and I started the company over three years ago, we were both part of like very steep hiring waves uh, going up and down and, at large tech companies. And we never fully understood being in the seat of the hiring manager that these processes were so length, lengthy often, losing out candidates that we wanted to hire and at the same time equipped with so little data. And that was the inception point for us to start hire people today. Uh, we enable companies from the US, the UK, and the EU to do two things, to increase the quality of hire and to decrease the time to hire. So our clients see a reduction of attrition on up to 55% and a decrease of their time to hire by up to 40%. 40%. And you know, there's so much kind of experience in that chat, I can already tell. You might say, hey, doesn't that go contrary and get against each other? 
rather the opposite. So the companies we work with, Travel Perk, Contentful, WeFox, T-Mobility, and many, many more, rather than deciding for one or the other, quality or speed, they do both. Um, how, how do we do this? Jakob. Yeah. 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 Thanks for, for uh, um, bringing this up. Big uh, question on the how. Um, the hiring intelligence platform of high people gives your teams access to what we call critical talent insights data. So that can range from candidate data, assessments, reference, and background checks to workflow data like candidate experience feedback uh, or quality of hire analytics. And you know, in a nutshell, it's all about having the relevant candidate and workflow data aggregated in one place, deeply integrated into your LTS. So make sure that you don't just have the data. Some of you might have some of these data points I mentioned in their, in their back pocket, but to also make sure they can apply it and you know, be able to tackle layoffs before they happen because they hire the best talent as fast and efficient as possible. There you go. And I think that's a key point. Everyone probably collects the data in some way down the process. You collect the data, but is it in integrated? Is the data at your fingertips at the right moment when you need it? Um, and oftentimes you will have the critical bit of data right at the wrong end of the process. And it's like, yeah, okay, this, this would have been handy, you know, three steps ago. Um, and now I find this out. So yeah, really interesting, um, uh, concept, uh, uh Jacob and great uh, to see you guys there. Um, uh, why don't you share the link in the chat stream? It'd be great for people to go and check that out. Uh, what kind of companies do you say are the ideal profile for a customer of high people? Yeah. We're job agnostic, so our customers work with us on uh, technical talent, design, data talent, commercial roles. It really uh, is really job uh, agnostic. Uh, the normal, the usual company size we work with is from two to two fifty all the way up to ten thousand employees. Um, so it's a very agile platform, deeply integrated into the ATS that then automates these data steps, aggregates the data, and makes sure, like you said, Han, that the decision makers they need the data, they have it at their fingertip whenever it's required. There we go. How many times are people saying, yeah, we're data, data driven, we're, we're data motivated, we're data informed. Okay. Use something exactly. like high people actually, you know, sh show that's the case. Um, well, listen, great to have your support on brain food. Um, Jakob, hopefully you'll find the time to, to enjoy the rest of the show with us as well. Um, and great to see you. Well, hopefully we'll catch up soon, man. Likewise, have a great uh, session, Hang. Thanks a lot for everybody. Thanks. And yeah, if you're interested in uh, learning more about High People, I'll put the link in the chat. Best regards from all of us at High People. Thanks. Cool. He's a nice guy, Jakob, isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah did you meet him at uh, Recfest? He turned up um, to, to uh, well, you might not have met, you might not know. So who he many was, people but, um, at Recfest. So, and honestly, it was quite a packed day. It was, I... <laughs> it was, yeah, totally right. But anyway, um, yeah, good to, I was, our first time I met him then, good to see him there. Yeah. And that's the new segment, folks. Let me know in the comments what you think about that. I think it's really cool to see the founders step up and talk about this. Um, that's part of the reason why I love doing Founders Focus as well, um, because it's, 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 you can just get something different. And no matter how good uh, a salesperson is or how good, uh, you know, employee is at representing a company, when you're speaking to someone who's actually gone ahead and like helped set up a company uh, on his or her own, um, they just come, come at it with a different insight and a different type of passion. Um, so yeah, hopefully if the future founders are up for it, they can come up and have a, have a chat this way. Um, all right, let's get on with the show. We're going to bring on our guests straight away because essentially we're going to be talking about this topic. Um, uh, let's, uh, Bring on our, our good friends here. Um, we have Brian. Let's bring Brian on. 
Yeah, thank you, Gary. I, I appreciate that backhanded compliment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hong, much better, better than your your crappy message. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I've got to be honest. You're probably right, mate. Um, okay, let's bring on Margaret as well. Um, oh, I do know. I do know the sponsored products quite well, even though I'm not a user. Yeah, you know? so it's probably coming from a different angle. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not a user. That's the main thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm always conscious of the fact that the last time I used any recruiting tech properly is so long ago um, yeah. that I'm, I'm not suitable for this. Um, so look at these marvelous people here. I mean, how good looking are these two? Um, Amazing backgrounds <laughs> as well. I'm jealous. I know. I mean, so much upgraded from where, where you and I look, te not terrible. You look great, <laughs> Christine, but uh, the general thing, you know. Um, anyway, let's, let's go to uh, Margaret first. Margaret, uh, uh, can you introduce yourself for you? What it is you do? Um, absolutely. I am Margaret Wu. I've been um, in the talent space for the last 17 years, and I'm currently uh, looking after engineering, product, and marketing recruitment as a SaaS company called Mixmart. And I recruit across Europe, Africa, Latin America, and the US. Yeah, amazing. And great to see you as always, Margaret. Uh, Brian, wonderful to see you. Um, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Hi, yes, Hong, thanks for having me. Uh, Brian Evia, I'm originally from San Francisco, based now for about nine years in England. I started in Silicon Valley with working with high growth uh, venture backed companies. I've uh, been with several in several operating roles in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I've done some big consulting, moved to England with additional startups, and I'm currently with a Nordic private equity firm, a uh, real estate company called NREP, and we are on a very ambitious mission to solve the problem of cities in terms of urban urban infrastructure and climate change, because we're not really going to be able to address climate change unless we can fix cities. So that's what uh, that's what we're doing. That's super interesting. Too much concrete. Am I right, uh, um, Brian? Too much concrete. Um, we need to have more, more solar on the roofs. Um, we need to, you know, obviously festoon the entire, you know, integrate nature into everything, you know? Um, yeah, it, it has to be win, win, win. It has to be win from the actual production and win for the living and then win for people who are paying for it. So we're trying to do all that in a slightly uh, better model. We're less rapacious than many of the other big private equity firms in the real estate space. Great, uh, great to uh, great vision and great to have you on the show. And we have Kate Bischoff here as well. Kate, great to see you. Thank you so much for getting up so early in the morning to join us. Um, Kate, can you uh, quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? <laughs> sure. I suffer from law degree. So I am an employment attorney who helps organizations do layoffs, make sure their hiring processes are okay, training, investigations, all the fun stuff that a lot of people hate. So... <laughs> very, very important. And Kate, I really wanted you in on this show because I think, here's my big conjecture, I think that it's impossible to do this very difficult thing well. Um, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times that you've seen the media run away with what ostensibly is presented as an egregiously terrible way in which this company has, you know, let these, these um, uh, percentage of employees off um, is oftentimes you know, what would you expect this company to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to I just volunteer a few examples, right? Because I think everyone who's watching this might themselves have a think yourselves, actually, folks. Can you yeah. think of an egregious example that hit the news recently um, where a company was pretty much lambasted for how they handle tech hiring? Um, first one, as an example, I'm going to say um, the better.com uh, CEO yeah. who did the mass Zoom call. <laughs> 
I actually thought that was okay. I mean, it, it, like, obviously his execution was terrible. Like, he yeah. had no empathy. <laughs> it was like he was sitting was like 300 people or something in one room. Was, it, yeah, I think he it was, was just more... too far back from the camera. All he couldn't, all yeah. this stuff. But what I liked about it, it was that he, at least he was there. He was, it was definitely him. Um, <laughs> he, it was definitely real, real time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was one to many. He wasn't choosing, oh, I'm going to give my elites uh, sort of information ahead of everyone else. I don't have a drip feed in another place. You give everyone the same information at the same time. It was just poorly educated. It, it, it with a decent but better webcam, you know, I think he would have got away with it. Anyway, as egregious example number one. Yeah, um, I think I think he did a a really difficult job poorly, but laying 300 people off takes hours if you're yeah. going to do it individually. And then you, the rumor mill would have spun up and it would have been really horrible by the end. So doing it all at one time wasn't necessarily the bother that I had with it. Um, it was, you know, not communicated well around it is my problem. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I, it didn't help that he gave the impression he kind of enjoyed the news as well. Like he made he enjoyed, uh -huh. the, the, which again, but that's just us assuming the motive, right? I mean, some people right. just give that vibe off, um, <laughs> which which might tell you, okay, you shouldn't be doing that. But you know, these are self awareness issues; they're not necessarily yeah. a moral issue. And if you just go down from a you know a company perspective, like what's the the, the most important thing he did was the simultaneous <laughs> communication. Mm -hmm. So no one's got it ahead of everyone else. Another yeah. example recently that again people lambasted. I think it was Slack. I can't remember. Was it Slack? But some big uh, Silicon Valley company they messaged everyone to say to expect a message. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you remember this one? Where they message everyone to say, "Hey, we're gonna have to make some cuts. Um, uh, if you get this email, da da da, titled this, it means that you're this this type of situation. If you don't carry on with your day." And everyone thought, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> the anticipation yeah. of this email. Yeah, gave anyway. everybody's digestive yeah. tract problems. Again, again, that's like, you can understand the pressure and that's really tough. But at the same time, the motivation would be, you know what? We have the information immediately. This is going to happen. Yeah. We think it's a priority. Everyone should know that we have the information, but we haven't actually gone through. So they're almost a victim of being oversharing. Um, which is what we want them to do. So the question for all of you uh, really is, is it possible to do this well? Um, and if so, how, what does that look like? And how do we get to a point where it, it is okay to do something that is inherently difficult, um, that doesn't come with this kind of backwash on the outside? Or is it really something, you know what, it's going to be upsetting because people are upset. And what we need to do is just to do it as quickly as we can and then just have the resources to handle the backwash coming out. So um, I want to, uh, to be honest with you, I'll go with you, Christine, because I know you've been kind of, you know, involved in some of in this earlier. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think you've been like, both. I wouldn't say victim and perpetrator. That's the wrong yeah. terminology. But you've, you've kind of, you know, been in that yeah. scenario, right? Yeah, I think it's tricky, especially from a TA perspective, right? Because you kind of prefer, you know what's going on, you know what's about to happen, uh, but you don't know who's going to be involved. So there is a slight panic in, in the environment and you're kind of like, yeah, I know something's happened, but I don't know what. 
Uh, I think the trickiest thing from a TA perspective is once the redundancies have happened, we're mindful, you know, you've got to close all the roles on your careers page. So it's not, it doesn't show like you're still hiring, right? Uh, and I remember one time um, specifically, it took a while for the LinkedIn aggregator to calibrate. So the roles were still live and people were still getting, oh, this company is still hiring for X and X amount role, like two weeks later, right? So it, it's just... A, the, the, the brand perception's not great. Um, yeah, it affects the employer brand, I suppose, in that sense. Uh, I guess also, and importantly, is how people feel. And I think we touched upon this earlier. It It is a loss, right? And I think it, you are allowed to grieve, if you will, and, and, and go through the wheels in motion in terms of what's happened. Uh, and kind of ensure people and people will go on Glassdoor and share their thoughts. Uh, it will go to news publications, right? I worked at FT before. We get a lot of tips in terms of so-and-so company is closing down. I, I don't know why com uh, publishers love posting these kind of stories. It's not great. Uh, so the best thing I think we can do is handle it with humility just so by the time it does go out there, what people are going to say about us is, is actually, well, they handle it in the best way possible. It's a business, right? Like we're not going to be holding hands and come by the entire time. I think that's yeah. reality. You've actually introduced some really interesting points here, which I think people need to be making notes on. I know I keep saying I should write show notes. I fail to do that. I just need a machine to help me do it. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the, one of the first things is like, think about your output. Like from a recruiter perspective, you might still have automated job posts going out. Uh, you might have all kinds of social media automated. Um, you will have um, jobs that are, are basically being let's say programmatically distributed yeah. in different places, all of those things you need to be really, really sensitive to because if the case is that you're making redundancies, the last thing you want is that job to flash up yeah. uh, to the person who's now, let's say, yeah. um, uh, being made redundant and they actually yeah. see maybe a job that was, was in their team or something yeah. of this type. So you got to switch some of those automated things out, mm -hmm. check your automated sort of outputs uh, before uh, all of this is happening, or at least as soon as you know something is going to go on, there needs to be a protocol you drop straight in and, and execute on that. Um, Margaret, let's go to you on this. Um, any thoughts on uh, on 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 sort of how you know we can kind of make this better? Um, uh, any insights you can share? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a from a I think I have been made. I've, I've been laid off before, and I've also been in companies that did redundancies when I was working in recruitment. So I think it's always going to be a difficult situation, both for people who are doing the firing or, or the layoffs, and for um, for employees. But I think it's really important to, as an employer, to just like be really honest and show some empathy. You know, like explain why the employee is being laid off you know like it's like it's not just another business decision i did you want to give some fair notice i did you want to give some kind of severance package i did you want to maybe extend uh, perhaps healthcare benefits you know maybe help people find another job if, that, if that's even possible because it, it's a really hard situation you know so i think it's important to start by explaining why you know why the business needs to right size you know and also as a company what are the critical jobs that are needed to succeed you know you might want to rank every employee by job and just like decide who needs to be retrained and kept you obviously want to keep um keep the best people but if you can i think provide some outplacement services um to people who are um, being let go like you know i mean 
when I got made redundant, I actually think it was done in a quite a nice way. And, you know, Christine, you know that because we were, we were working together at Yieldify, but I think it was done nicely. I mean, it was a very unfortunate situation because 23 people were being let go on the same day. Um, but they've had one-to-one -one conversations with us explaining what happened and why. And it was just done in a really humane way. I mean, I wasn't even that upset. I mean, I was upset, but I'm like, I could understand. <laughs> <See ya. laughs> I was upset because I like the job, but I could understand the reasons. And I, you know, I like the fact how it was being done. Like everyone was just compassionate, empathetic. And I think that's what was missing from that massive, you know, Zoom call, you know, there's just literally zero, zero, um, zero empathy. So I think you really want to be there for your employees. Don't hide. You know, I think communication is just so important. You want to be honest in your conversations, you know, offer to All right, Mar Margaret, I want to just interrupt one second because I think you're absolutely correct and nailed a really important point. But there's a secondary point which I think is significant because the empathy part is critical. I think most yes. people's complaints would disappear because it's the feeling that they've been treated without empathy is why they're outraged. Most people are aware businesses are businesses and, you know, yeah. ins and outs and so on. Um, but the old way of doing empathy would be a one-to-one -one in-person conversation, right? Um, but now we're in a remote world. You know, I think the better.com guy tried to do empathy. That's what he tried to do. Um, but he couldn't physically go to the people out there. Thought, right, I don't know, I'll do a Zoom call. So obviously bad thinking, etc. But it's yeah. because now we're remote. How do we do empathy remotely? Is that possible to do yeah. um, in the mm. same way? That's, that's I mean, yes. I mean, I don't think you can do it in the same way, but you can still have a one-to-one -one conversation. So, you know, I, you mentioned this guy, it was like 300 people. Yeah, he couldn't have done a one-to-one -one conversation, but they, they don't all report to him how many managers were. You know, I still think, like, if that was me, I, I still think you could have one-to-one -one conversations because these specific managers or directors can have conversations with the team. How many people would you have reporting to you? Five, seven, ten? I mean, how long does it take? You know, if our CEO could do 20 conversations on the same day, I think I think any manager could do that. So I don't think it has to be in a face-to-face in a -face setting. You know, it could easily be done via Zoom, but you just want to like empathize. Like, you know, I mean, if you like sharing some relevant business metrics, I think might help uh, people, you know, like maybe what are the overhead expenses, just, just in general, like so people can understand the difficult decisions mm. that the company needs to make based on metrics and hopefully, you know, lessen that emotional, um, emotional pain. And I think also like creating some kind of, certainty as well you know because like people were stressed and like they don't know what to expect what it might mean for them so i think as a company if you're letting people go you also want to clearly explain how the layoff procedure will work you know the timelines what your company is prepared to do to to help people that are that are being laid off so um yeah and i think you just want to make sure that the dignity 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 of the kind of pronounce it uh, dignity of the person that's being laid off is not harmed you know and and also, I think another thing is like you want to ensure that the people who are staying remain engaged, you know, because that, yeah, they, they, them, their levels of engagement, they might be just thinking, well, am I going to be next, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so that's another thing. I think you also need to worry about people who are staying. Um, because so many might, interesting things you know, to yeah. um, to tackle, uh, Margaret. Yeah. Let's. Um, I'm going to jump on some of those in a sec. But you said something there that was really interesting. Was you know how do we avoid harming the dignity? of the person that's being let go. And again, that goes into the empathy side. Uh, and Brian, uh, uh, do you want to give this a bit of a, a thought? Um, you know, I've had to let somebody go. Let's say I've had to let you go, for instance. In what way do I not uh, sort of harm your dignity? I think a lot of that is determined not in the moment of the communication. I mean, I see, I see layoffs as being 
um, a window into the character of an organization, into the character mm -hmm. of a company. And of course, if if crisis and privilege both reveal character in their own ways, then the wins and the losses of a company will will also reveal character of the company itself and of the leadership. And so I look through most of these things through the, a leadership lens. And um, I don't think you can I don't think you can actually um, uh, grab dignity or grab empathy when it's convenient, when times are tough, when there's bad news to deliver. I think that most companies, when they lay people off, it, it's simply a reflection of how they've treated people up to the point when they're laying them off. And so you can't actually go back and and um, and manufacture some of these really important and necessary and human resources. And I don't mean people, I mean human abilities, human benefits like empathy and dignity and treating people with respect and kindness and everything else. You can't just call them up on demand. So the, the, way, the way that it's done, I think really reflects how the person in charge has led up to that moment. And, and I've been part of layoffs, um, uh, both I've been laid off and I've done layoffs, I've laid myself off. And it, it's, it's always interesting to see what the CEO does. And especially at an early stage level, at a high growth level, and Silicon Valley is probably more guilty of this than other countries, but in a different, in a different flavor, part of the process of, of laying off is that this it's the death of a dream. And if early stage companies have been overly enthusiastic and unrealistic and, and had their head in the clouds about growth and unicorn status and exits and every and all this stuff and it just seems like like everything is is going to be um, smooth sailing forever when a layoff happens when reality hits or a reality hits um, it's it's just so so wrenching for the people who are being let go but also for the people who are staying because they now realize that they're living in a dream that actually isn't dreamlike they're living in a flawed dream and so there's just there's so much that goes into this and i agree with what everyone's saying i mean you obviously have to have the the logistics worked out and provide the support to the best of your ability and everything else the the real the real foundational piece though is how has the company worked up until the moment when someone has to say part of the sky is falling? and if you've been a ceo or you've been a self-absorbed ceo up until that point then the layoff will probably be shitty or probably be self-absorbed, which is why we see some of these self-absorbed CEOs crying on, on LinkedIn. Right. I, I was about to say uh, the, right. the, another egregious example, right, um, of the, uh, the, 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 I don't know whether everyone saw this, right, the crying CEO. Um, Margaret, I'm not sure you, you know. I, yeah, everyone saw. Hypersocial. I think his name's Braden. Um, I can't say his surname, Wallach. Hypersocial is the company. Yeah. Do you, do you want to share the post there if someone's got it? Uh, by the way, if you're not aware of this, um, you know, it's worth taking a look. This is not to drag on this guy or anything else, but it was it was perhaps another example of, you know, doing a layoff in such a way that that didn't that just came across wrong. It was bad PR at the end of the day um, uh, in the manner in which it was done, because it, it, it kind of looked as if it was very self-serving um, and pretty much, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of like misery porn style 
you know, of course post, he was. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, maybe he was fairly lambasted for that. Um, but in any case, so the, the personality CEO clearly super important, right? So, um, but there's an element where, uh, thank you very much, Christine. Uh, it could be it's one of those where it's like, if that's the case, that may be an impossible thing to handle. So I'm just the person in that has to help do the job. Um, I have the CEO not optimal in terms of this situation. What other things can I do to improve it, knowing what I know about that? Because um, I, I don't want to necessarily just say, oh, well, that's, uh, you know, CEO's a dick. There's nothing we can do. Is there anything we can do to improve that experience? I, I want to touch on one thing um, about, you know, the need to want to want it, um, which I totally think that's what the expectation of employees mm-hmm. is to have this concierge high touch experience. Um, and in the olden days, you know, maybe we're, we're carrying out some cultural memory here. In the olden days, we would expect that. Um, but these days where it is remote and it is maybe a bigger company and it's, it's all digital, I'm worried about confidentiality, we're worried about leaks. Um, oftentimes it's a one to many. Um, is there like, do, do employees need to reset their expectations on this? Um, uh, your thoughts on this, Kate? I think they do in a certain respect. I I always, when I'm doing a layoff, when I'm working with an organization about 500 and we're going to lay off 25, right? It's going to be the message from the CEO is going to have happen. And then the actual manager is going to be the one who is describing why this individual was selected and having that one-on-one conversation. It's not going to be the CEO going down and talking to the receptionist to say, we're letting you go because we have six receptionists. Um, It's going to be the office manager who's going to be doing it for the receptionist. It's going to be the person the employee has the closer relationship to. And in many organizations, particularly the ones we're lambasting, which I think in many cases they deserve, you don't know the CEO. And so the first time you get to be graced with the CEO's presence is the time you're getting laid off. I don't think that necessarily provides that empathy either. I think the best is to be very careful and make sure that they are competent at this, but having a manager be the one to say, I'm really sorry, here's why you're the one that's going to be let go. And while I agree with Daniela that having all of the metrics isn't alone going to be enough, it is pretty critical for a lot of employees to understand why we don't see you in this role anymore. You know, sales is really down. We've lost these big accounts. Here's why we have to downsize for this role. Or this is why your performance hasn't been meeting expectations. We've talked to you about it several times. This is why we're going to be letting you go on this. So I think for some employees who understand who've been in the big kid professional world for a while, having some of those metrics so that a manager can have a good conversation, give a good why, and then be have that connection with the employee already, I think is the best way to handle that. Yeah, really good observations there. And Daniela, I really appreciate your comments there also. I totally get it. Um, but at the same time, I, I do believe that providing the, the numbers is, is, is important because you've got to give the context as to the reason why. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if, if there's any ambiguity as to the reason why, then the affected employees will just in, in, input their own understanding as to why that is. Um, it's because and I'm a woman. You... Yeah, it's because I'm a woman. Right. It's because I'm black. It's because I'm Asian. You know, it's that's where we're going to fill in the role. So we have to be as transparent with the why as possible. 
yeah, we have to put it as a as a as a as an overall thing, and then we uh, we uh, 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 we then go to the one to one. So I, I like the two step approach. Is number one, CEO should say something, whether it's an email, an announcement, or something, and that needs to be a, 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 to everybody. CEO says this, but they do, he doesn't articulate who or what numbers or whatever. He he or she, the CEO will say, your manager will will then be in touch, something of this type. Then it's the managers that have the social capital, the existing relationships with the people, your responsibility to go ahead and manage this as best as you can. And that's where their empathy and their relationships are going to be critically important. And we all know, by the way, we don't always get on with our managers. We don't often always get on with our direct reports. So we managers need to be prepared to be able to give professional, hyper-professional uh, sort of uh, uh, bad news to people who you may not actually like because they deserve at least that. They don't need, you know, any additional sense um, that you know you're, you're, that that that, uh, that this is something other than uh, you know hyper uh, professional. So I guess additional training support to the hiring managers is something that is maybe missing in some of the high these scale ups as well, right? Often, oftentimes they don't have any experience managing at all have just been put into these you know huge hugely growing businesses they're the senior person suddenly managing a team of 30 and then now they have to cut it back to 15 mm. they've got no experience yeah. in any of that so yeah a company should obviously invest in trying to provide some support there yeah mm -hmm. and the, the cadence can be relatively short right you can schedule to start doing layoffs wednesday afternoons which is my personal favorite time to let somebody go no, um, so but this is great <laughs> hang on, hang on. We might, we might. This, is a, this is a top tip like is there a time in the day a time in a week you're a day in a yeah. week you're saying wednesday Wednesday afternoons, because if someone thinks that they're being let go because of a protected class status or because they're being wrongfully let go, they have two days to meet a lawyer. Mm. Okay. So they don't, it's not Friday afternoons because they could just get spun up emotionally over the weekend. Then if you do it Wednesday afternoons, the rest of the team can grieve for two days and mm. be ready to come back on Monday. And so you, you build in some grieving for both the employee and the team. So, folks, uh, did you know this? No, <laughs> brand new information. <laughs> I, I I agree with Kate, and and that's yes, we've done that as I've done that as well. Wednesdays. All right, so this is a revelation to me. Like my mind is blown, but of course it makes sense. Makes of sense. Of course it makes sense yeah. because you're giving Fridays. Week, Fridays are the worst, and Mondays the second worst. Yep, that's right. So rule of thumb, folks, just if you if you don't take anything away from this, what this, this conversation, take this away. Wednesday afternoon is the time to break the bad news um, because uh, and to, 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 to underline what Kate mentioned, it is because it gives time to grieve. So you've got two days for everyone to start thinking on, my, you know, say your goodbyes, do all of those things. But then you also have um, sort of next day, next week. It's, it's happening quick. It's happening mm. soon. And you can kind of historicize what was a, a previously a traumatic event for the entire business. So the, mm -hmm. the people who are still in the company can still carry on whilst also giving uh, sort of the affected individuals, if they have a complaint or a dispute, they've got some window to do that. Um, and, and, and what have you. Wednesday afternoon, folks. Did you know this? <laughs> Let me know if you didn't. Um, amazing. Um, all right. Do we but, have any but... more... Go ahead, well, so so you train like 
So Wednesday morning, managers meet with HR to go through how you communicate this. Um, what is really key importance? What can you share? What should you share? What and how to be empathetic? You build mm -hmm. in about an hour of training and you practice with them. Um, I think practice is, becomes really important. Around one o'clock, the CEO makes an announcement. It takes probably somewhere between five and 20 minutes. And then starting about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the managers start having those conversations with their direct reports. It can happen very quickly, but you know this shouldn't come as a surprise to an organization either. And so you can work this to be efficient, timely, and build in all the things you need to legally, particularly if you're subject to laws about layoffs, um, but you can make it so that you've given everyone the tools they need to communicate this effectively. Mm -hmm. You know, I would. I wonder whether anybody's done any research on the, the this 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 particular data point, like the timing of it. All of these uh, layoffs that we've seen recently, like, does anyone know what day of the week that's happened? Because see. if if this is the case, the, the, we, there could be a very very simple way uh, to improve the general experience for everybody if we just timed it better. Um, so, so yeah, please someone like have a look into the, you know, the last 10 big layoffs. Is it, did they all just happen <laughs> randomly or, you know, do we know it's like meant to be on Wednesdays? Go ahead, Pat Brown. Hung, I would just, I would just roll that back a little bit from what Kate's saying. I, I completely appreciate practice and preparation and everything. I think that most organizations, it is a shock to most organizations, especially early stage companies. I think people are, are stunned um you know covid and everything else now being with it the closer we get to these big economic events the, the less stunned they may be but you know i i've been to the dot com era <laughs> you're, you're quite you're quite right brian i'm i'm, I'm over stunned it's like yeah i can whatever <laughs> yeah. if godzilla <laughs> arrived tomorrow i can handle it you know what I'm, saying? <laughs> I'm ready i'm ready this is my third major economic downturn even though it hasn't really turned down officially yeah. yet this is the, the third time that, that things have, have gone a little nuts and this is the first time actually that that i think that it's it's been the, the weird mix of of investor vcs drying up at the mm -hmm. same time as there's a ill economic wind mm -hmm. my broader point is i think companies need more time and i think wednesday is the is the fine date but i think this has to cycle back to the Friday before the weekend, the Monday, the Tuesday, depending on your management team. I completely mm. agree that managers have to do this. If managers aren't prepared to fire someone or lay them off, they're not prepared to hire someone and manage them yeah. because that's just, the, that's the, that's the responsibility. I mean, mm. that's the, it's the, um, uh, that's the necessity of the role. Um, I think that from a legal perspective, though, the, the best the best legal help that I've had and legal legal partnership partners I've had help with all of the scripting and all of the timelines to make sure that in each each country or each state, if there are different different jurisdictions, that everybody has a playbook and a script because mm -hmm. many managers just aren't prepared for their own emotional reconciliation with this and so the first time you do it the first time you look at someone especially in a screen and and you let them know that you know you're taking them out uh, if they've never done it before it's awful and if they have a script if they know what's coming if they if they've had a chance to have this settle in their stomachs for a couple of days it helps 
there's a risk that people leak information, but you know there are ways around that, which is bringing everyone in and saying we have an obligation to do this professionally and confidentially. And the, the, if anyone leaks, we're we're basically doing a huge disservice, an extra disservice to the people who are worst affected because it's not us. You know, we're the ones who still have jobs. Yeah. We have to be thinking of them, not us. All right. So there's a couple of things I want to touch on there, Brian, which is really interesting. Um, the first point was, uh, uh, so I think Tom mentioned it as well in the chat there. Like, how do you how do you deal with leaks? I think part of the reason why we do these mass emails and stuff is to almost head that off because uh, they don't want sort of the rumor mill grinding away. Um, and like, how do you manage that? Um, and secondly, you know, is there is there how public is this protocol? Like, why is there not a obvious how to? publicly available is that there if not you know why not um so anyway two things but before we get there folks um i want to just do a quick stop because we always do this in every show uh the purpose of brain food live is to start a conversation not end the conversation um uh, so if you're interested in continuing the dialogue on this very important topic by the way if you're a person that's just interested in your career and interest in how humans work together in business you should be interested in this topic because it's inevitable you're going to be interfacing with it at some point um but if you're interested in this specific thing now i recommend that you connect with everybody who is going to be in this conversation because you can then continue that conversation afterward so why don't everybody take just a couple of seconds take your linkedin profile stick it in the chat stream on the crowdcast if you're watching this on facebook uh, or linkedin or twitter put it into the comment thread and then make sure you connect with everybody you can see do likewise um uh, you know we've got 50 people watching it here maybe 50 again on linkedin perhaps another 30 or so on facebook and twitter so you know what if you want it you should walk away from this with at least a, a dozen or more two dozen uh, or so contacts um that are interested in this topic that have been thinking about it that may be going through something uh, like this themselves now or thinking about going to this uh in very near future these are people you can go ahead and continue the conversation with um, I spoke to a friend of mine, actually, who I wanted to invite on the show, um, but she'd actually gone through a very similar exercise. She had to let a bunch of people go, etc., to help design all that the protocol that we're talking about. Um, she would, she said it was the wrong time to come on. I totally respected it because it was too, it was too kind of fresh. Um, but she did say that, hey, listen, it was actually really educational for her own professional career because she knew it was just part of the role inevitable part of what this is um and you need to get good at it you know you you can get good or bad at this so you better get good at it um okay um great that people are connecting away on this um okay let's talk about um the the leak issue um we've seen the juicy rumor mills we've seen like websites like blind particularly again us that people like to dump gossip in you've got influencers out there which i you know I, i'm a big fan of getting early information from people that have you know uh, that kind of insight and um uh, but but sometimes that juiciness comes out and it's like oh wow that information's leaked in some way and this is going to get hit and whatnot is this kind of inevitable in the way in which we live now because the, the the world is is what it is and even if it wasn't a leak the rumor mill is going to just emerge anyway like do companies have a policy against this um or do we just need to let it slide and actually this is the world that we have um i can go first i suppose so yeah my at the ft you know we're, we're, we're a big company we are a news company so we did have some like strict policies in terms of obviously if it's internal we kind of keep it internal um and it, everything had to be signed off really before before it went out there 
But I think the reality is you will have a few vo vogue, rogue um, employees, right, who will be disgruntled and maybe they're already, but yeah, not vogue, rogue, very <laughs> rogue and vogue, um, who are disgruntled and, you know, there's social media, there's Twitter, they can go out there and, and then start and start um, spinning out a story. And I, there's recently, I think there's a, what they're calling this? Um, it's not cancel culture. It's something where quiet quitting, that's it. So where they're doing just a bare minimum, bare minimum nowadays, right? And for them, uh, this, this is how I think some people actually see the workplace. So I think we have to understand there will be always some people who will be quite ready and prepared to share the news. So when that happens, what do we do? And, and how do you combat that? And from our perspective, of course, if we are still not hiring at scale, but you will be hiring a few roles, critical roles, and in the future, how can you mitigate that risk from a branding perspective? Yeah, I, I know the answer to that. Um, I think you can overwhelm them with positive information. So you can you could you could basically have your counter propaganda already in place um, and just ready to go. So just get it ready to crank. If if you can anticipate some backwash, just drown it with better information. Um, and it'll, it'll, you'll bury it through, you overwhelm them with a, a kind of a saturation attack. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, that's just the, that's my thoughts. Um, <laughs> right. Um, let, let's, uh, let's, let's think about um, what we can do for the people who have been let go. Because one of the ways in which I've seen layoffs actually turn into a positive PR type spin is when some like amazing things have happened. Uh, even oftentimes uh, uh, sort of off the back of a, a single manager. Like there's a good, a great example. I forget where it was. I'll drag it out and I'll, I'll share it uh, sort of on screen in a second um, where a manager had to let, uh, he himself was let go. So, so he, he and his team was let go. So all of them let go, but he didn't feel certain for himself. What he wanted to do was to make sure his team's taken care of first and foremost. And all he did was to write a Twitter thread and each tweet was a profile of one of his team oh, wow. and said, look, um, uh, Christine, uh, she's now available. She does this, this, and this. She does blah, blah, blah. She's absolutely amazing. Boom. Mm -hmm. And then another uh, next tweet was another team member and it was like yeah. 20 people. And it just looked like, wow, you know, yeah. I looked at that and I thought, that's the yeah. mini database that this person has yeah. created themselves on Twitter that yeah. suddenly has personalized all these people, recognized mm -hmm. their humanity, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But also this thing went viral. So all of these people suddenly became, I would be hugely surprised if they didn't get opportunities immediately on, on, yeah. on the back of that visibility yeah. um, from the actions of one manager. So yeah. I think something like that could be a useful practice to do. I mean, this guy, mm -hmm. again, it didn't seem designed. Uh, it, it just seemed very, very organic. He just mm -hmm. did it on himself. But maybe that's something we can get hiring managers to do. Yeah. Like, can you yeah. write a cameo mm -hmm. portrait of the people that you had to let go publicly, mm -hmm. right? Don't just write mm -hmm. references. Publicly yeah. say boom, 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 and start sh sh shoving this stuff out. Any other thoughts on what we could do to, you know, not only help the, the affected, but also, you know, to improve how we look as a business? I mean, what Daniela just mentioned that she's seen, because I've seen exactly the same companies put together Google Doc of literally absolutely every single person who was let go. So then I've actually seen at least like that last week. You know, we, we, we have a look at that in our in our company. And again, you can look at that. You can see the LinkedIn profile. You can see the job title. You can see the location. So loads of companies do that. I've seen recently, I think it was actually the talent acquisition lead who posted on LinkedIn that unfortunately part of, I don't even remember which company it was, but people were being let go. And again, he 
he mentioned some names. I mean, he, he tagged some people, you know, so people could, could reach out. So I think that's a really great idea to, to do that. Um, sure, at least of everyone affected, but even like providing outplacement or career coaching services, you know, I have worked, um, I do interview coaching on the side as well. And I remember I've actually worked with people providing outplacement services in the past. You know, I've had people who would contact me and some of them had a placement company that wasn't really that helpful and they, they contacted me using the budget from the company but sometimes they would actually have the budget from their company for some kind of career or interview coaching so i work with people to help them improve their cv work on the interview technique and i think if you can provide that especially to people like imagine you've been in one company for 10 years you just have no clue what, what it looks like in a job mm -hmm. market right now because i think it's changed so much you know so i think people like that especially need the supporters if they've been there for a really long time oh. i remember i did a workshop once for um i'm not gonna mention the name of the organization but it was a public sector organization within civil service and i they actually were letting some people go or, or potentially they need to like reapply for their own jobs you know how they do that in, in public sector so i was doing a workshop on interviewing and then i had some one-to-one -one sessions and you know it was really interesting because it was such a different uh, kind of workforce to what I'm used to working in tech space, you know, in the last 17 years, there were people there who were there for 20 years. I mean, imagine you being let go and you, you've never had to look for a job before. If All right. Very, very interesting point. Very interesting point. Um, do we vary our support to the employees based on how capable we think they are as job seekers? So you let them ask no, 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 it's not our job to decide. I think you need to offer the same. If they take, it, <laughs> if they take you up on that, or not, that's a different scenario. But it's not up to us to decide. No. So, so you but don't I say, don't. oh, uh, you say, hey, um, that, that, that guy Hung's a loser. He needs some more help. <laughs> Get him some outplacement. Um, no, I think I think you let them opt in. Like you, you say, here are all the services we're, we are going to pay for. You choose what you want to do. Go seek out the resume help, the interviewing help, all of those kinds of things. These are what's available. And you provide it not only for what you're providing, but whatever your locality may provide. Like, for example, in the great state of Minnesota, we've got workforce centers. We've got a bunch of different things that we say, here are all the resources that potentially you could go get. Um, that would be helpful. I will say one thing on the letter of reference. Please don't do a letter of reference. Go do the organic things or the feel organic, at least on LinkedIn and Twitter, whatever. But a letter of reference um, for any of my clients who know if employee gives the or candidate gives them a canned letter of reference, that is a red flag that this can't this employee has been a problem in the past. So don't do that, please. I agree. I 100% agree, yeah. Oh, okay, so, so there's a top tip, isn't it, for managers? I mean, you could proactively write recommendations on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah right? for LinkedIn, yes, yes. For the like, general would, public, yeah. But don't wait don't, don't wait for them to ask you to do that, uh, which a lot of people, you know, just go ahead and proactively write something, mm -hmm. um, and that's going to help them, right? So, yeah, go ahead, Brian, sorry. I would say operationally what Kate's talking about makes a lot of sense, and I think that, organizations need to treat the layoff process from, from the announcement on forward as another initiative, as another project. Mm -hmm. And there should be a team that will figure out what can be offered, what can either be paid for externally or what can mm -hmm. be offered internally. And mm -hmm. um, Christine was talking earlier about, about the responsibilities of, of uh, recruiters and what to do you know, because they're still hiring, but they're not hiring the same roles and everything else. You know, I've seen companies that, that have 
pivoted recruiters uh, like Margaret is talking about to do some of this interview training and some of this outplacement work. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a whole host of things that can be done. Yeah. But I think we need to be able to, to publicly, publicly internally, that is, show the company everything that you're doing, because it will help, obviously, the people who have been laid off, but it will also help the people who remain with their ability to contribute to this and, and to, to recognize the reality of it. And, and also, they're just, it's extra support because management can't do all of this. And, mm -hmm. and I don't think you really want management to do everything. You don't want management to be that blocker. Yeah, that's a good point. I can add, um, I thought a really good masterclass of this was Airbnb during um, coronavirus. I think in 2020, they took quite an FAS um, outward approach. So I think uh, Brian Chesky actually wrote a very oh, yeah. public facing letter and saying like, you know, deep sadness, you know, this is the traveling's not happening right now. This is what's going to happen. Very thoughtful. Um, of course, he did the talent di directory um, that you mentioned, the placement teams. And I thought one really nice touch as well is that he actually gave laptops um, a way as well to say, look, uh, it's an important tool for you to find jobs, yeah. right? So I'm sorry mm -hmm. this is happening. Uh, the best we could do is for you to keep your laptop so you can go on and still interview during this time. So I thought that was a really, I guess, masterclass, if you will, in terms of how, how to approach. It was um, a great layoff. email. I remember reading that yeah. when that happened. It was, it was great. Yeah. 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 If anybody's and, got and that I think it's a reflection of how Airbnb operated right up until the moment that there was bad news, yeah. right up until the moment that they fell into a hole, there was this level of concern and care for people. And so he just carried that through. He was just, mm -hmm. it was okay. Now it's a shitty time. However, we have some muscle to be able to deal with this because we know how to treat people. We have mm -hmm. relationships. Yeah. You just can't bring this up on demand. So most of the, most of the errors, most of the unethical layoffs to get back to your original question hung are because the companies themselves don't really prioritize i'm not going to say ethical behavior but they just don't prioritize this kind of care and so when they really need it they can't just summon it because it makes leadership's life more more comfortable you know leadership's needs this is difficult this is most difficult for the people who are are who are obligated to take care of of employees yeah, there's one thing that I should have mentioned earlier. It's a bit out of context, but I need to put it in, which is this feeling of account lockout. Um, so one of the bad experiences people had was, oh, I just heard this from the CEO and I try to log into my Slack account and I actually my permissions are gone. Um, and that's like a shocking, a shocking like a guillotine type feeling. Um, now, bad experience for sure. Yet I can also understand from a, you know, business protection point of view and, you know, the, the requirements to, to, to make sure that your company's data is secure, like you might need to do that. I mean, as a salesperson, ex-salesperson recruiting that, this is actually a classic thing. You get walked off site, right? Um, because you have access to, to, to really important information you could you could take uh, away with you. So, um, so so is, is like, how do we handle that? Is this, is this one of the tougher areas that actually is very difficult to give about a good experience in? Because you have to, t you know, you have to be quite tough in terms of the timing. No, I think, it, I mean, from my perspective, because it happened to me twice and once, when actually when it happened Hillify, I, I still kept my laptop for four days because I wanted to do a handover, you know, but it was a smaller company. They trusted me and I, I've done a lot of handover work and, you know, like I, it was great because I could still keep the laptop. Then I just brought the laptop back. And then I was once in a situation where it was done by someone who had no clue about management, where my uh, Slack and email access were terminated within 
up straight after the call, oh given no reason whatsoever. I had my managers, that was not communicated. I had my managers messaging me on LinkedIn, what happened to you? Slack is deactivated. So that was just so badly done. And I just left such a, it just like left a really bad taste in my mouth. So I think it's harder, right? Because when you have a lot of people, when, you, when you're letting go hundreds of people at the time, you might need to do it quite quickly. But I still think you need to give people the chance like to do a bit of handover or say goodbye. Like don't do it within 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Maybe like in advance, maybe block their access to something that they like say what you said in sales. Yeah, sure. Maybe block their access in advance of the conversation to some of this confidential information they might want to get. But come on, come on like let people say <laughs> say the goodbyes or something, in my opinion, you know, like even if it's just Slack or email. Yeah. But you know, you also understand why people <laughs> could do that. Sorry? Sorry, I was just going to say, over to the lawyer. We're talking about confidential information no. and systems. Yeah. So I, I'm a big advocate for turning stuff off. Um, I, Me too. It, it, is, it is on the checklist. Like, this is what's going to happen. Now, Slack is a little different because it's a communication tool. There's not going to, the secret sauce is not going to be on there, theoretically. And so you do give an avenue to say goodbye on the Slack. Exactly. Yeah. But the but giving access to all those databases. Oh, no, the, no, you're right. Like, you're right about the databases, but Slack yeah. is different. Exactly yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and and you know, it is something that has to happen relatively quickly. Yes. And so yeah. it, 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 sometimes you don't anticipate the saboteur in your midst. Yeah. And it well. is, you know, some of them, you know, like, you know, Janice is going to be a real bitch when she leaves, you know, hide everything <laughs> from her. Right. But you might not know that Juan is going to be the one that's going to be the problem. Yeah, too. And so yeah. you have to ensure that um, yeah. because it, whether it's customer information, whether it's the secret sauce, like you have to be able to do that. And that's part of the communication from manager is this is happening to you. These things will be turned off. What do you still need access to if you want to help with a turnover? Because I can go back and get it. But that is part of the checklist that the manager has to communicate. So uh, we've got to finish the conversation here, folks. But to, just to reiterate the point, this is legally important to do. And the way to neutralize the shock of it is to say within the protocol, Brian, that you mentioned, the managers need to tell the staff that, OK, here are the steps that are going to happen. And that has to include, look, the account termination has to be pretty soon. Um, as in it's happening here at this moment. Here are the places where you can have conversations and and, uh, and, and say goodbyes, have that emotional closure, Margaret, exactly. which is super, super important, right? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. in your case, that person had to come off platform and uh, message you via a public platform in order to figure out what's going on. That's obviously suboptimal. Um, yeah. But at the same time, uh, you, you can deal with it as a, as a business by basically having what's going to happen now next. Uh, and that's that's a part of the protocol that basically managers need to be equipped with, uh, and then they can give that to the, the affected staff. Tom, 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 but we haven't talked about one topic which we wanted to talk about. We don't have the time, which is how do you handle survivor guilt? How do you handle mm -hmm. the, the people who, who left? We're going to have to deal with that and the uh, the next uh, uh, sort of uh, next time on a different show because we've run out of time. So, yeah. uh, listen, I just want to say thank you to everyone who, who's joining us. Uh, what an amazing show. Um, uh, Kate, thank you so much for uh, coming in and uh, giving your uh, thoughts and insight. Uh, you have a very good day. Uh, Brian, really great to see you as well. Thank you so much for your contributions. Um, Margaret, always a pleasure. Uh, thank, you. thank you so much for your insight as well. It was great. Um, okay, um, uh, let's uh, say goodbye to our guests thank here. 
Bye. I've got to run as well, Hong. I'm literally one minute late to my next meeting. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, Thanks cool. for doing Thanks what you everyone. do, okay? I'll Get catch a, you soon. Take care. Have a nice weekend. Bye. See ya. Wow. Wasn't that great, everybody? Um, I actually really enjoyed that conversation. Again, it's just convinced me that it is totally correct to separate the review from the uh, from the Brain Food Live because it gives us a lot more space to have a really good conversation. So hopefully everyone's learned a lot from that. Um, this is a tough situation, but one of those in which I think we all need to get better at whether we're the manager, the employee, or indeed whether we are the commentator from the outside. Uh, let's understand that this is actually a very tough uh, scenario. Um, and perhaps we should generally be uh, more forgiving of our uh, with our observations than we, than we have hitherto been. Okay, uh, that's about it. We'll be back, I would say, with Brave Food Bake Fresh, but I'm actually got a flight on Monday. Uh, so I don't think I'll be able to do uh, Bake Fresh on Monday. So maybe we shift that to Tuesday um, uh, or we might just skip that week. Uh, otherwise, we're back on Brave Food Live next week and we're going to be talking about making sense of this crazy economy. How do we know that we're in the shape that we're in when we hear about tech layoffs, yet at the same time we have record number of job postings and we still have this huge candidate crisis? Does it make sense to you? Does it make sense to me? Uh, make sure that you join us next week and we'll be able to, we're going to go through it and discuss it with people who are labor force um, economists, uh, managers of recruiting businesses, recruiters who are currently recruiting, who have stopped recruiting. We're going to be talking about where we are at now in the market, trying to make sense of it. Uh, okay, uh, follow the channel uh, if you like this type of conversational chat and thank you for watching.